Thank you for joining the Faith Chapel Podcast. Wherever you may be joining us, we hope you know you are loved and that this message encourages you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1, and this is our theme verse for this series. And I think this is a timely series. I think this is an important series for a lot of you that are in this room. I know what you're going through. I know what you're dealing with, some of you. And Others, of course, I do not, but I, I really believe that no matter where you are in your season of life, you're in one of four seasons. I mean, you're going through a difficult time, a winter time, you're going through a springtime, it's a, a time of tilling up the soil, maybe it's a, a summertime, maybe it's a harvest time, and great things are happening in your life. But every one of you are one of four seasons in your life. And this is what this verse tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, there's a season for everything. There is a time. Say time. There's a time. There's a season and a time. And that would be the title of today's message, Seasons and Time. There's a season for everything, a time for every event under heaven. There's a season for everything, a time for every event under heaven. We learned last week that the word season means an appointed time. That God has an appointed time for you. In fact, we see this at the end of our lives when we slip from life into life, if you know Christ. It says that there is an appointed unto man to die and then to face the judgment. There's an appointed time. I like to emphasize the word appointed in that verse. Because you have an appointment with God that you will not be late for. Now, you may be like many people that are late for everything, but you're not going to be late for that one, right? I mean, it used to be like my wife. I mean, my wife was, she was late for our wedding. She's late for everything. I've just learned to love that quality about her. Amen. Right, men? Right? We just, because she's making herself beautiful for me. Amen. So I just, I love that. But she's not going to be late on that day. You have an appointed time where you will stand before God and give it a You have an appointed time. And when that time comes, you will stand before God on that day and you will give an account. You have an appointed time. There is a season and there's a time for everything under earth. In fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes begins to give us not an all-inclusive list, but he begins to give us somewhat of a list so we can understand it. He goes on in verse 2. He says, there's a time to be born. If you're here and you're alive, say amen. Amen. There was a time to be born. There's a time to die. (laughs) Not very many amens on that one, but I understand. There's a time to plant and there's a time to uproot. There's a time to kill. There's a time to heal. There's a time to tear down, there's a time to build. There's a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn, there's a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent. I'm trying to teach my son that one. So son, that's not the time. It's not the time. There's a time for that. And there's a time to speak. And that's not your time right now, son, not your time. Verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There is a season and a time, appointed time for everything that happens. In fact, your life, there's an appointed time that you were were given on this earth. In Acts chapter 17, verse 26, it says that God chose the exact time and exact place. He chose the exact moment out of all of creation, out of all of life, out of all of eternity, the moment that you would be born and brought into this world, the time that you would live it. He chose the generation that you would be born into and the generation that you would serve. 
He chose the place that he's called you to. You, you may say, oh, you don't know my life. You know, I was a, I'm adopted or I was born out of wedlock. or I Let me tell you something. God knew exactly when you'd be born. And he knew the exact place. He said, well, there was a lot of hardship that went along with that moment in my life. I know, but I'm so glad you're here this morning. And I know that what God has in plan for you isn't what you're currently living right now because there's a time for everything. There is a season for everything under heaven. God has spent more time planning your life than you will living it. In fact, Bible tells us that there are good things for us to do in advance. God prepared for us before the foundations of the world. That means every single day we ought to get them go, God, what good thing do you want me to do today? There's something on your scheduled time. There's something on your appointed time on your calendar that isn't on my calendar that you want me to do today that's good. What is that thing that you want me to do? I want to fulfill your purpose and your will. I want to do what you want me to do in your season, in your time. God, what is that today? I'm excited to do that. And have you know God will help us to do that. If the creator of heaven and earth can put all the universe in place and it can spin all around and it doesn't run into each other and he can keep it together by his mighty right hand, scripture says, how do you know he can get you where he wants you to be? Right? It's just a matter of an attitude of submission of saying, God, I want to do your will. I want to accomplish your plan. I want to be in that great place where you want me to be. I want to be in your will. I want to be in the right season and I want to do the right thing at the right time, at the appointed time time, the things that you've called me to do. When we submit ourselves to God this way, how many of you know it's kind of like swimming with the current, right? It's a little easier. It takes us farther and it's a whole lot easier. And we get into a rhythm of life because we're doing the things of God. We're doing them in the timing of God. And it's just like swimming with the currents. But when we begin to, through disobedience or just through a lack of apathy, where we just begin to, we begin to just have this apathetic spirit towards doing the things of God in our life, where things begin to turn around and now we're swimming upstream and the rhythms of life are a lot harder. How many of you know we want, God wants us to work with him, not against him? In fact, scripture reminds us that when we're working against him, that we're kicking against the goads. Goads were a plant that had you know, these, these needles on the end of them. We're kicking against the goads. We're kicking against these plants. You know, nobody would actually go out and do that, but that's what it's like when we're working against the will of God for our life. God is trying to help us. He's trying to shape us. He's trying to move us towards his divine destiny for us. And he's trying to help us do that, and he gently does that. And when we get into that rhythm, and when we get into that habit of submitting to him every day, we can swim downstream, and it's so much easier, and we go so much quicker, and it's so much less taxing on us. But when we don't do it God's way, then it's like swimming upstream, and boy, we get tired really quickly, and it doesn't seem like we're going anywhere. Remember last week I gave you the example. It's like being on a merry-go-round. You know, life and seasons are cyclical, and it's like going around and around and around and around on the merry-go-round. And it may be polished, and it may look beautiful and freshly painted, and there's usually wonderful music that lifts our spirit. And you jump on that thing, and you just go and go and go and go. And then when it stops, you haven't gone anywhere. That's not God's plan. God's plan isn't to entice you with all these wonderful things where you just go around in circles and go nowhere. But a lot of people live their life that way. They go through all the seasons of life and they have to keep repeating them because they haven't gone anywhere or learned to embrace the grace of each season. There's something that God is wanting to instill in us. There's something that God wants to drop into us so that we will learn that we can grow in every season of our life. 
And so we need to learn to be open to what God is doing in each season. That's what this series is about. And we'll start with the different seasons next week. But today I want to talk to you about season and time. And I just want to give you a couple observations before we get started. The first one is this. A season doesn't make a moment, but a moment can make a season. A season doesn't make a moment, but a moment can make a season. Here's what I mean. You know, a season is made up of moments and hours and weeks and months. And no matter what season you are in, that season can quickly be changed in a single moment. I remember we were only here for a couple of weeks and we were getting settled. We didn't know anybody's name and we were trying to learn faces and we didn't know even how to get around the town that God had called us to. And, you know, you had to put every single thing into the GPS. We couldn't just jump on the 125 and hit the 8 and go west and know exactly where we were going. So everything was GPS. And so we were just trying to learn. We're still unpacking boxes. And, and I was taking, you know, an evening off and I'm watching, the, I'm watching a, a sporting event on TV. My wife was you know, in the other room, I thought, and, and I didn't think too much about it. I mean, God had called us to this new season in our life. Here we are, we're in a new place, and there was excitement in a new season, and I was ready to serve, and I was ready to get my family together. I had been here since February, and they had just gotten here. It's now July, and, and this is an exciting time. We're all together, and here we go. So I thought. My wife opens the restroom door, and she comes out, and she's zero maintenance woman, zero. But her face is swollen, her eyes are red, she's crying, tears are streaming down both cheeks. And so because she's zero maintenance, I know there's immediately, I know, great discernment. I have great discernment. <laughs> Something is wrong. So honey, what's wrong? And she goes, we are so stupid. Now I know you don't use that term in your house and we don't normally either, but this one called for it. And I said, what do you mean? I'm just watching the ball game. I've been here for a couple hours just watching the game. What have we done that's so stupid? See, 11 years ago when we got here, almost 11 years ago, we were in our mid-40s. And this was not on our radar. Thankfully, I wasn't Abraham. She wasn't Sarah. We weren't quite that old. But she told us, we are having a baby. I said, what? <laughs> we are so stupid. And I only said that because I heard what she had said on the inside. I'm going, yes, yes. I'm finally going to get the girl I prayed for my entire life. And we went to that first sonogram. And they said, no, he's definitely a boy. You better pick out a boy named Debbie. See this thing right there? That's a boy. Like, it's not the umbilical cord. It's not something that got in the way. Like, no, no, that's a boy. That's a boy. So we got Jackson. Can I tell you, that moment catapulted us in a whole new season. It changed our lives for, I'm still living that season. <laughs> He's only nine. I'm still in it. I'm still in it. It changed our life forever. See, a season doesn't make a moment. It's a long period of time, but a moment can change your season. Some of you know it in a more dark area when you've lost a loved one, a spouse, Someone recently in our church lost someone 60 years they were with that person. Can you imagine living with someone and knowing them through and through and sharing life together for 60 wonderful years to wake up the next morning and they're all gone? 
moment changed a season in their life. It changed everything for them. Number two, when another observation is what you say impacts every season. What you say can impact every season. Because I believe your season will take on what you say about it. I've always been amazed by the verse in Romans 14, 17. It says, call the things that aren't as though they are. Call the things that aren't as though they are. I'm like, you know, that just seems like that's strange. And this verse is dealing with Abraham. And you know, with Abraham, he, he... he was late in life, and he got that same kind of call we got. He was gonna, he was gonna give birth to a son, and for ten years he walked around, and his God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And for ten years, every time somebody would call his name, it was a reminder that that promise hadn't yet come true. Abraham, father of many nations, he's like, yeah, it hadn't happened yet. <laughs> Next, he'd go to town and get pick something up, and he go, hey, Abraham, how you doing? He's like, yeah, yeah, no, that hasn't happened yet. And can you imagine what that did for him? Every time for 10 years he heard his own name, father of many nations. You're the father of many nations. You're the father of many nations. Because I don't even have a son. I don't even have a son yet. And in, in Romans, this Paul is talking about that very occurrence. He says, you need to learn to speak to the things that are not as though they are. When God speaks to you, you know it's the promise of God for your life. And you know it's the thing that God wants to bring into your life. And it's the moment that God has called forth in your life. He said, you need to call that out and you need to speak to that every single day. See, Abraham should have got up every day and he should have said, I'm Abraham. I'm the father of many nations. And people might look at him and go, you don't even have a son. But he would say, but God has promised it to me. I am Abraham. I am the father of many nations. Well, you don't have a sibling yet. I am Abraham. I am the father of many nations. See, you have to carry the title that God has given to you. You can't carry somebody else's title. And so many times we carry the title that you're a loser, you're not enough, or that you won't ever have enough, or that you, you'll never be successful, you won't be the manager, you won't be the president, you won't be the CEO, you'll never be a pastor, you'll never be whatever. And we carry the title that somebody else puts on us. We need to carry the title that God places on us. And God says that you're the head and not the tail. That God says you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, a people that God has called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That God says that you're, a, that you're his very best creation. That's what God thinks of you. And he rejoices over you every single day. So you need to get up and you need to say, I am this thing that God has called me to, whatever it is. You need to call the things that are not as though they are. And I look even further into Joel and it says, let the weak Say, I'm strong. Now that sounds, that sounds difficult or strange at best, doesn't it? You mean when I'm at my weakest moment, I'm supposed to stand up and say it, not think it, not pray it. I'm supposed to say it. I'm supposed to declare in my weakest moment, God, I'm weak, but I'm really strong. Yes, that's what you're supposed to say. Because with God, you are strong. See, there's something about a declaration. There's something about making it known. There's something about your words. And the Bible says you have the power to speak life and death. And so why would you want to stay in a dark season, a winter season, longer than you have to? Because you're declaring it to continue. Come on, somebody. Some people just get up and they go, well, the devil's got me right where he wants, and I'm just fighting tooth and toenail. I'm trying to get out of it. 
No, no, you need to get up and say, God, I am made more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination, bringing every high thing to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And I am going to be successful. I am more than a conqueror. I am going to be a victor in this world. God's promised that to me, and that I declare that over my life today in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what we need to do. You say, what if you don't feel that way? That's when you need it the most. What if you're in the dark moment? That's when you have to say it. Say it out loud until you believe it. Let the weak say, I am strong. Call the things that are not as though they are. Make sure that say, what you say is impacting the seas that you're in in a positive way. So we usually look at the mountains and we go, oh, I don't know if I can get over it. We need to look at the mountains and say, they're going to be removed. We usually declare, we need to learn to declare the promises and the praise of God upon our lips always. We need to make sure that we're speaking forth and declaring the word of God over our lives. We need to have that ability in our lives. And by the way, that's why I think Sundays are so powerful. In case you don't know it, that's what worship is all about. The word worship means to ascribe worth. And what we're doing is we come and we're ascribing worth unto God through song. And we're declaring the praises of God and the glory of God and the attributes of God and the characteristics of God. Some of the songs have declarations in them. And we make those declarations in song about our own lives. And we should say them in faith, declaring the things that are not as though they are. We should do that. That's what worship does. It's powerful to each and every one of us. Let me just give you a little bit about time. There's two words, Greek words, about time. The first one is chronos, and it's where we get the word chronological. There's sequential time. Like when we get out of here in about three hours, you'll be able to... <laughs> oh, some of you think I'm joking. <laughs> you must be first-time visitors. Welcome. No, I'm just kidding. That's sequential time. Right? We, we, we live by sequential time. You put things on your calendar and you recognize the chronology of your day. I'm going to do this at 8 o'clock and at 10 o'clock. There's a sequence of time, chronology, time will pass. And I'm going to do this at that time. And this is how we live. But there's another word that's more important, I think, to us. And to the scripture and to what we've already learned in Ecclesiastes. It's the word kairos. It means the right or opportune moment. Here's what, I, here's what I want you to get you, get you to understand this morning. Kairos measures, measures moments, but Kronos measures minutes. How you want to live your life, by minutes or moments? In this fast-paced world that we live in, so many of you are living your life by minutes, and God wants you to live them by moments. In fact, if we were to go back to the Greek version of the Ecclesiastes that we just read, that really those, that passage reads like this. There is a moment to be born and there's a moment, a divine moment, an opportune moment to die. There's a, a divine moment, there's an appointed moment to plant, and then there's a, an appointed moment to uproot. And you could go through that entire passage and you could place that in there. These are kairos moments where God says there's moments in life 
There's moments where I just show up. There's moments in your life, moments before the foundation of the world, moments before you were even born, moments that I've created, moments that I'm going to give you. Each and every day, I'm going to fill your I'm going to fill your sequential time, your minutes, with moments, divine appointments, opportunities, moments to really live. And not just pass time. So again, the question is, are you just passing time? Are you living by moments? I mean by minutes. Are you living by moments? And I think if we're being honest, so many times we fall into that scheduling to where we're living by the minutes of our life instead of the moments of our lives. Some of you know this story, but I was at general counsel and I got a call from my mother. This was several years ago. And, and she said, your grandmother's not doing well and you need to come right away. I was in Indianapolis and she lived just on the side of the border in Illinois from Indiana in Charleston. And so I got a car and I, and I drove as, as quickly as the angels that were on the side of the car would allow me. And I got there very quickly. And as I got there, my mom was, very, you know, this is my grandmother and it's her mother. And, and she's about to pass. And she's not doing well. She's had a heart condition her entire life. And she's, she has all these machines that are, and sensors that are attached to her. My mom says, you better let me go back with her. I know that you think you're used to doing these things, but this is your grandmother. Let me go back in case you need some support. And there was a, there was a moment of clarity where the Holy Spirit just prompted my heart and let me know that this was a moment that just was for me and my grandma. It was just for me. And I, I turned and I said, no, I'm good. And she goes, well, I'll just go back with you. And I said, mom, I'd like to do this by myself, just this, my grandmother and I. Okay, she says. And she kind of stepped back, and I said, you guys can come in later. I just want to talk to Grandma. So I walked into that IC room, and I sat down, and they had told me I make a habit of talk, stopping by the nurse's station every time I go to the hospital. And Can you give me an update? I'm their pastor. Hey, I'm her pastor, but I'm also her grandson. What's going on? Can you give me an update? Well, she hasn't slept in a couple of days, and here's the latest. And Again, there was a moment in that conversation where God just prompted me that the sleeping was of utmost importance for some reason. I walked in, I sat down, and I took her by the hand, and I told her I loved her. And she looked at me, and she started crying, and she told me all these wonderful things that aren't true, but grandmas believe about their grandsons. <laughs> I so love grandmas. And I said, Grandma, they said you haven't slept for a couple days straight. Why? She says, I'm afraid. I said, Grandma, what are you afraid of? So I'm afraid to close my eyes. I might not wake up. I said, are you afraid to die? She goes, yes, I'm afraid to die. I said, Grandma, what if I could assure you that you have no reason to fear death? If I could introduce you to a person and that person will be able to come into your life and give you a peace that would transcend all of this that's going on right now, but a peace that would not just last for now, but it would walk with you into eternity. Would you be interested in hearing about that? And she said, yes, I would. I said, well, Grandma, his name is Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. And when you ask him into your heart through the forgiveness of sin, he'll come into your life 
And he'll give you that peace. And he will enable you to sleep. Because, Grandma, they said more than anything, you just need to sleep. I said, would you want to ask Jesus in your life? She goes, I do. And so I prayed the sinner's prayer. And I talked to her about Jesus right there on her deathbed. And I walked out. And I walked into that where all my family was, that waiting room. And I said, hey, she's sleeping. How did you get her to go to sleep? I said, I introduced her to Jesus. It was a dark moment. It was a moment where I got in the car. I felt like I could go back and I'd said what I need to say and done what I need to do. And I went back to the meetings. And you never know how long these things will take. My grandma held on just so she could see her granddaughter, my sister. That's what she really wanted more than anything in the world, just to see the two of us before she passed. I got another call, so can you come and do a funeral? So I got him jumped in the car and I drove back down and we did a funeral. As I was able to share with all those that were in attendance the story I just shared with you about how she gave her life to Christ. And even through those tears that were streaming down my face and even through that heartbreak and even now, if I stop long enough to not talk to you but try to recall that moment, it would bring tears to my eyes. I miss my grandmother so much. But even in the middle of that darkness, there was a moment. In the middle of those moments, in those minutes, there was a moment that needed to be redeemed. There was a moment that needed to be lived there was a moment. See, here's what we normally do when we're younger. We wish we, we wish we were older. Everybody that's older going, oh, yeah, yeah. I was in my 20s. I became a senior pastor, and they said, oh, you have a baby face. You don't look like the senior pastor. I actually prayed the most foolish prayer I've ever prayed. I said, God, let me get a little gray hair here and some glasses so I can grow up. <laughs> God gave me glasses and gray hair, and I don't want it anymore. I don't want it anymore. See, we wish we were younger, but then you wouldn't have the experience and the wisdoms you have now. When we wish we were older, we wouldn't have the health that you have now. Some of you wish you were married, but then you wouldn't have the freedom of time that you have now. Some of you wish you had kids, and then you wouldn't have the intimacy maybe that you have now or the freedom to travel or do what you want to do. Because, again, a child changes your season. <laughs> In Romans 5, 6, you see that at just the right time, How many know God's always on time? <laughs> At just the right time. Not before, not after. He wasn't late. He wasn't early. It was just the right time. And if I just pause here in this verse long enough to just remind you that God is working everything out together for your good because he loves you. And at just the right time, it will happen. It may not happen when you want it to happen, but that moment, that God-ordained moment, will happen just when he wants it to happen in your life. The door will suddenly open up and you'll see things. Like Abraham, all of a sudden, after 10 years, she was expecting. All of a sudden, at age 90, she's with child now. 
all of a sudden the door will open up and your blessing will come, the miracle will come, the thing that you've wanted for, the thing that God has promised you at just the right time. It won't be the wrong time, it'll be the right time. It'll be when you're able to, when you're able to receive it, it's when you're able to be responsible for it, it's when God's ready to use it and ready to use it in your life and somebody else's life. It's just at the right time. And for so many of you sitting here today, you're frustrated with God because it hasn't happened, because the promise has been given and you've been holding on to it. Can I say, hold on just a little bit longer like Abraham and get up and speak to the mountains and they'll remove and get up and speak to your situation, but hold on and believe that God is at work in your life because he is. And at just the right time, it's going to come to pass. And at just the right time when we were still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. He died for you and me. What did God do? He redeemed the time. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, redeeming the time. What are we supposed to do with our life? We're supposed to redeem the time because the days are evil. We're supposed to look for the moments that God's created to redeem them in the minutes because the days are evil. The minutes can be evil. They can be filled with nothing more than well, time, but that's not what life's made of. It's really not made up of time. It's really made up of moments. So when you get up at a funeral and you begin to speak about someone's life, you're talking about the moments of their life, not the minutes of their life. When we talk about our life together as a family, we talk about the trips or we talk about the experiences or we talk about the things that we've shared, the moments, not the minutes of life. And there are moments that God has created in your life every single day that he's saying, I want you to redeem those moments. It might be a conversation at a grocery store at your workplace. It might be at your school or maybe at a random stop that you don't normally make that God brings a divine appointment into your life so that you have that moment of clarity, that moment that you're supposed to speak forth and you're supposed to do something and say something in that moment. We miss the tree because we're looking at the seed. We, we miss the supernatural because we're so busy looking at the natural. We miss usually the extraordinary because we're looking at the ordinary. And can I tell you that there is so much that God has painted in this world of ours that if we were to just stop and look at it, there is extraordinary and supernatural and amazing things all around us. Let me just give you two things and we'll go into communion. But those Kairos God moments, how do you create them in your life? First to do this. I think you have to recognize them. I think you have to recognize them. See, in our life, a lot of times, we don't even recognize them. We're just going through our day-to-day. -day. We're, we're not praying for We're not asking God to keep us in tune. We're swimming upstream instead of swimming downstream. We're not looking for those moments. And so because we're not looking for them, we're just not sensitive to, and we're not, we're not living in the moment to where God could speak to us and help us to find that natural becoming something supernatural, that ordinary becoming extraordinary. That's one of the things I miss about my grandmother from the story before. She just had a way of making everything fun. She laughed at everything. She laughed. And she made us laugh. 
And she used to like to play games with us, and she cheated, and we knew she cheated, and that was okay. That's where we got our, you know, that's where we got it from, right? We're competitive. We don't like to lose. She didn't like to lose. My mom would come in the room. She goes, Mom, you're taking advantage of an eight-year-old, you know. But she was competitive, but she had fun, and she would laugh that she got caught cheating. She'd go, oh, you caught me, and she'd laugh. She'd be in there making popcorn for us every Sunday night so we could watch the wonderful world of Disney. Followed by Yeehaw. That one wasn't my favorite, but we watched it with my grandma on Sunday. She'd be laughing. They'd tell those stories on Yeehaw, and I didn't get them, and people would be laughing, and she'd laugh. She would laugh. She had a way of finding the moment in the very ordinary things of life. She grew up, she didn't have a lot of things, but she grew up creating memories and moments in our lives. It was her grandmother that probably, or her mother that probably taught that, my great-grandmother. She didn't grow up with a lot either. She was a pilgrim holiness preacher's wife. The last part of her day, she lived in a trailer just on the property of her son and on a farm and so they could take care of her and watch over her. We'd go visit her. I remember walking in, and she would always make two pies, one for me and one for us, one for us to eat there, but one was mine. It's Brian's pie. True story. Nobody could eat it. She would declare, this is Brian's pie. Nobody can eat it unless he shares it when he goes home, but this is his. I made it for him home only. And then she'd take me by both cheeks, and she would, she would just shake them like this. It would hurt. Just hug me. It's way easier. And she'd say, you sweet little ham hock pig, you. I still to this day don't even know what that means. But she said it with such affection that I knew it was positive and I just ate it up. Amen. And I look forward to running into that house of hers and seeing her seated right there waiting for us to come through the door. Oh, Brian, you sweet little ham hock pig, you come here so I can squeeze your little cheeks. They'd be bruises going home, but I had my own pie. It was all right. I had my own pie. <laughs> creating moments. Creating moments. So when you leave here today, you can go to dinner or lunch, or you could go and create a moment. You can just go and lay down, have a Sunday nap, or you can go create a moment. You go to school tomorrow, it could be school like any other Monday or work like any other day of the week, or you can create a moment. In fact, I believe God's already created those moments. His scripture reminds us of it. But we need to recognize it. Guys, it's the last three slides, if you can help me. And the second one is this. You need to respond to it. No, those aren't the ones I'm sharing. I skipped a whole bunch of stuff. Don't tell the staff or anybody in the room. <laughs> but you need to respond to it. Those Kairos moments in your life, those moments, when God brings something about, when God causes something to happen, not only you need to discern it, but you got to respond to it. We had just given, I just felt recalled into the ministry, given my life to Christ, and filled the Holy Spirit. And there was something that was just burning on my heart. Just a few blocks away from the room that I was staying in, there was an adult bookstore. 
I didn't like the fact that it was in our neighborhood. I didn't like the fact as a believer that that was there. I didn't felt like that that was, you know, that it wasn't obviously God's will for our community. And it really bothered me. And we had prayer every Friday night for a couple hours. And one night in prayer, I looked over at the guy that was with me and I just said, I think we should go do a Jericho march around that place. He said, are you serious? I said, I'm serious. He says, when do you want to do it? I said, right now. I felt like there was a moment that God had created in me. I needed to respond. I needed to do something right now about this. So we walked the two blocks that were there. We began walking around that building and praying in the spirit and praying to God and asking God to close this place down, that it was vile, that it wasn't supposed to be a part of so close to these neighborhoods and these homes. The owner came out and said, you got to leave. And we said, fine, we'll leave. We're on lap seven anyway, not a problem. And we stood out there on the sidewalk that was public property, and we quoted scripture and preached open air, and people would pull up in their cars, and they'd get out of their car, and they'd hear us preaching about the holiness and the righteousness of God. They'd get back in their car, and they'd shut their car door, and they'd drive away. They wouldn't even go in that place. Owner came out again. He says, I'm going to call the police. That's fine. (laughs) Then we got a little scared, and we left. Amen. We weren't sure how we wanted to trust that private, you know, that public property spot. But can I tell you what happened? That place burned down that night. All the way to the ground. Listen, they didn't have enough insurance to rebuild, and so they sold the land to a man who put a Christian bookstore right there on top of that spot. True story. What what am I saying? I'm saying that God's going to create a Kairos moment in your life. All of a sudden, something changed to your sound wise. That God's going to create a Kairos moment in your life, but you have to not only understand it, but you've got to respond to it. So there wouldn't be a story to tell if we wouldn't have got out of our prayer closet that Friday night, walked those two blocks, and done what God had put in our heart. There are things that God has prepared for you before the foundations of the world, moments, divine appointments, divine time. And maybe one of those moments right here before we get around the table and have communion, maybe one of those divine moments is for you right here today. See, it is appointed unto man to die. You will die. It's 100% certainty. And then you're going to face the judgment. You're going to stand before God. Are you ready? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Not know about him, not know something about not even know a scripture to quote. I'm talking about do you really know him? That if you were to slip from this life into the next, you would hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the the joy of the Lord. Enter this place that I have prepared for you. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Maybe this is your moment. And you're not here by accident. You're here by God's divine providence. And this is God's moment in your life. And it'll never be recreated unless you respond, unless you react to it, right? now. So as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I'm going to give you that opportunity. 
all over this building to say yes to Jesus. And then we'll be able to, all of us in this room, come to the table of the Lord and partake of these elements that are so sacred to us. Are you ready? If you don't know Jesus, when I count to three, would you raise your hand all this place? One, two, come on, right away. Three. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? One, we're going to pray. But if you mean business with God today, you're not sure where you'd spend eternity. Listen, let's take care of it right now. Anyone else before we pray it loud? Anybody else? Put your hands down. Everybody say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me. Right now, in this moment, I make you my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for receiving me. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you hadn't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelst.com or on any social media platform at Faith Chapel SD. We hope to see you real soon.